Good morning. Happy New Year. And just in case you freaked out that I'm standing up here preaching this morning instead of Stuart, and that it said interim senior pastor by John's name again, um, this is not the case. Stuart's here. We're giving him the morning off as he's preparing for our next sermon series, which is going to be fantastic. Watch for more info on that one coming up. But uh, I'm with you here this morning to open God's Word, wrap up last year, and start us off for the new year. Um, It's a special year. If you were at home last night, you got an extra leap second added to your clock last night. So already we're a a second longer than usual. And if you're like some of us, that meant that was an extra second for your dogs to be scared by the fireworks that the neighbors were shooting off. So it's a tough crowd in here this morning. Come on, people. If anybody dozes off this morning, I will come out and I will find you because it's small enough to see that today. So But as we open this morning, I'd like to uh, start us off with a word of prayer, and then we're going to open up God's Word together. So, Lord God, as we are gathered here in your house, may your Word impact our hearts and our minds greatly this morning, Lord. May we be challenged by what you have to say to us today. And, Lord, may we leave here changed and different than how we came in. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, most people in America today and, and quite frankly, in the world today, have heard the name of Jesus Christ. And if you were around at Christmas and you showed most of the people that you know or probably everybody that you know a manger scene in your house, if you have such a thing, they'd be able to get probably at least a C on the test of Mary, Joseph, baby, Jesus, shepherd, wise man, camel, sheep, star quiz. Right? We all know that. It's, it's a familiar thing to us. And, and in some ways, that's really good, and in some ways, it's, it's a bit of a problem because, sadly, in many churches this morning and, and in many people's lives, we consider that a success. It's considered a success that you know a little bit about Jesus Christ and you know a little bit of the story and you know, you know the biggies. You know about Christmas and you know about Easter, you know, anytime there's special flowers around. And... And for some reason, we consider that, that that's some kind of a success if that's what people have, have understood about Jesus Christ. But my challenge for us this morning is that in 2017, we take our game to the next level. We, we kick it up a notch and we, we do better at sharing who Jesus Christ is and we, we do better at, at sharing what we know about him than just the big highlights. And in order to do that, it means we're going to have to dig down into people's lives a little bit and get to know them and find out what they know already and, and take them from where they are. Or maybe it's you, that you need to go from where you are today to the next level as well. And today, as we open up God's Word, I want to look at three different pieces of the Christmas story that I hope will challenge us to be great commissioned people and for our church to be a great commission church. You know, some of this stuff's easy to talk about, and sometimes we, I think we talk about it so much it becomes a little, a little old. And with that in mind, um, Glenn, we got a quick little video clip up here. I think it's about 15 seconds long. See if this looks familiar. It's better with the sound. You get the picture? 
It's been a number of years that that has been our focus here at Tom Ball Bible Church, that we are about making mature disciples. And, and that is fabulous. You know, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, very familiar. We talk about it all the time. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The great command is there in there is to go and make disciples, or as you are going through life, make disciples. And I'm struck this morning that, you know, at Christmas time, we see a lot of people in church. We had 500-ish folks here on Christmas Eve, and we had 900-ish people in this building during the two performances of Behold the Lamb. That's a lot of folks in one place. And, and for a lot of them, it's their time to come. And maybe you're one of those people that it's that special season and I know I should focus on things that are a little bit bigger than myself. And so I'm going to go to church or it's, you know, mom would really like this or grandma would really like this if I went to church with them. And although those are are okay, that's not really what God is after from us, I don't think. God says, Jesus said to his disciples, you need to go and make more disciples. And I understand that the very first part of that is in order for you to fulfill the great commission that Jesus left for you, you need to be a disciple first yourself. Disciple is a taught one, a follower, a faithful follower. In his book, Design for Discipleship, Dr. J. Dwight Pentecost says this, and I'm paraphrasing, being a disciple is an individual relationship with Jesus which grows from first of all being curious to then being convinced and finally being committed to him. And so my question for you first this morning is, where do you fall into that category? You're sitting in church on New Year's Day fairly early in the morning for most of America, so we kind of get this idea that you have some thought about God this morning. But where do you fall in that? Are you, are you just curious and you want to know more about this person, Jesus Christ? Are you, are you convinced that he is truly who he said he is? Or are you truly committed? Are you somewhere in that spectrum? We all are. And my question or my, my goal for us this morning is to figure out where we are and to, to see what it would take for us to move on down that spectrum a little further from where we are today as we move into this new year. So I want to look at at those three things a little bit closer, and then three different stories from around the manger that they maybe point up how this really works in, in real life. The first thing is curious. Curious people are those that have a knowledge of God and the God-man Jesus Christ. Believe that God exists or in some way believe that he probably does exist. And usually curious people, they, they like to hear the stories. You know, the Bible's full of great stories of, of all kinds of, of stuff. And, and in Jesus' day, people came around Jesus all the time to hear him tell stories and also parables and to hear, to see him do miraculous things. So curious people are those that, that like to hear the stories and that like to see the show. 
Maybe you come into church this morning, you feel comforted by being around a group of people that you, you hope are not going to be overly judgmental or that, that are different than, than the folks you meet at work every week. And that's good. But just being curious is not what God asks of us. So the second phase of this discipleship journey is being convinced or going from a knowledge of the God-man Jesus Christ to a love of the person of Jesus Christ. See, being convinced means this. It means that you believe the truth of God's Word. You trust in the work of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior, the one that paid the price for sin. And you're convinced that the result of this conviction is that Jesus is truth and that his word is true. And it's true just as it is. It's inerrant and it's true. So if you've come curious and if you've become convinced at, at who we believe Jesus is, then comes something else. It becomes comes submission and obedience to the very will of Jesus Christ. And that's what we mean by being committed. It's being submissive to the and obedient to the will of Jesus Christ in our lives. It's total identification with Jesus. You know, it's easy to identify with Jesus, the, the creator of the universe and the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one, the all-loving one. That's an easy piece of Jesus to be identified with. But Jesus also says, no, you need to identify with the guy that went to the cross as well. Total identification in glory and in suffering. And I think Jesus calls on us also to be totally identified with him without disguise or excuse. Do you put on a different mask that hides your Christianity when you leave this place and go into different other parts of your world? And are you willing to be completely committed to Jesus Christ no matter what the cost? If that means losing a friendship, if that means making someone in your family irritated by the, the way you talk to them about your desire for them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if that may mean quitting your job and doing something different because you know that what you are doing is not where God wants you to be and it's not honoring to him, are you completely and totally committed to him? Luke 9.23 says this, And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, in other words, be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up my cross daily and follow me. You know, a lot of times we get caught in this thing. It says, I've, I've come and, you know, I've, I've come to church and I've, I've heard the, the story of how Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I've believed it. I've walked the aisle and now I'm all offset. We don't do the walk the aisle thing so much here. And that's it. That's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, that's not much of a relationship. You kind of like going out on a date, falling in love, getting married, and then never seeing that spouse again. Are we willing to go and take up our cross, you see what this says, daily, and follow him? Following someone else means the first thing you have to do to follow someone else is you have to put your own desires aside and understand that what you desire is not as important as the one in the lead desires. 
So going on this, this idea of going from curious to convinced to committed, I want to look at three stories from around the manger and see how this worked out in people's lives. So the first one, they're all very familiar, I hope. The first one is Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, O Bethlehem, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means are least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, uh, and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring him to me, so that I may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them and came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him, and they opened their treasures, and they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The, The magi, the wise men, were curious. They were curious guys. We don't know a lot about the Magi, about the wise men from, from the Bible. There are some things that they were maybe. They maybe were kings. They maybe were wise. They may have been three in number, though the Bible doesn't say that. We kind of give them three because there were three gifts that were brought. We know some things they were not. They were not Jews. And they were not from anywhere around Bethlehem or Jerusalem. But there's some things we know that they were. They were studied. Because it says, where has he been? Or where is he who was born king of the Jews? They knew the prophecy of the Old Testament. We know that they were searching. They saw the star when it rose. They had been watching the night skies and they saw something different. They were always looking for something new. We know that they were doing what they thought was right. It says we have come to worship him. And we know that they were willing to be convinced. You don't travel a long way across the desert with camels and a caravan of people and just say, oh, there he is, and turn around and walk away. When they saw baby Jesus, this is what it says in verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. That's going from being a little curious to being convinced that this baby is who they thought he was. And they opened their treasures and they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Those are expensive gifts, especially to bring to a baby whose dad is a carpenter that has very little means. 
I think that the wise men moved from this, this place of just being curious about this strange star that they saw to when they had an encounter with Jesus Christ of being convinced that he was something special. And then God stepped in. It says, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they, they departed to their own country by another way. See, I think a good bit of this, this thing that happens to us when we move down this, this little spectrum of, of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is that at different points in our lives, too, the Holy Spirit does step in. For the wise men, it was that, that he came in the form of a dream and he warned them not to go back to Herod. He stepped into their lives. I think he stepped into their lives because God saw that they were convinced about who this baby was. They moved from curious to convinced. Go with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 22. Maybe a little uh, less known story. We kind of stop the Christmas story short once in a while. But Luke chapter 2, verse 22 and on says this, And when the time had come for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that's baby Jesus, that they is Mary and Joseph, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who has first opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through uh, his, your own soul also. And so that, uh, so the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. We don't get the Simeon story very often these days in the, the story of Christmas, but but. I want to look at a couple things about, about Simeon that are just are absolutely remarkable. Not too many times in the Bible does it say that someone is righteous. But in verse 25, it says that, that Simeon was righteous. And in this case, that word righteous truly means pure in heart and action. It also says that Simeon was devout. And the word devout here means holding fast to the claims of God. He knew God's word and he was holding fast to the claims of God. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, trusting that God would keep his promise of a Messiah, of a deliverer. Those are the things that characterize this man, Simeon. And on a little further in verse 25, it says, The Holy Spirit was upon him. Get this, when he moves, 
when God moves us down the, the progression of discipleship, it's with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should go to the temple, and he came in the Spirit to the temple. It's not a big thing that God asked him to do. Stay alive and go to the temple. Not a whole lot, but look what he gets to do. He gets to be there, and he gets to be one of the very first to meet Jesus. And he gets to bless his parents. He gets to encourage them. When we move from being curious to being convinced about Jesus, and he becomes our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and into our lives and continues to work. It's another character in that very same story. It begins at verse 36. We see her story. And when a, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, from the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years and having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to him, uh, speak of him to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna's another interesting character that we don't think about too much, but I want to look at her real quick here. It says that, it, you know, back in that day, it was customary for girls to marry in their, their kind of early mid-teens. It says that she was married for seven years, and then she became a widow. She's now 84. If my math holds out, she lived in the temple for about 60-plus years. So what was she doing in the temple? Well, it said that she never departed from the temple. It said that she worshipped there every day with fasting and prayer. Get this, it wasn't a quick 20-minute quiet time in the morning. It wasn't got the little podcast and listen to it while you're brushing your teeth and doing your hair. She was there and she was committed every single day for 60 years. And in a big way, with prayer and with fasting, night and day, and she was waiting for something. She was waiting, it says, for the redemption of Israel and Jerusalem. And the thing I love about this story is that when she got to meet baby Jesus, it says that it jump-started her again, afresh, after 60 years of waiting. That very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all. That's pretty good discipleship right there. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're not sure exactly what this whole Jesus thing looks like, this whole Messiah thing looks like, this whole deliverer thing looks like. And after 60 years of waiting and fasting and praying and just waiting and begging God to send the deliverer, you meet a baby, baby deliverer. And that very hour, you go and start telling people that the Messiah has come. That's pretty good discipleship right there. Which leads me to today. 
And my question that I started with is, where are you today in this whole thing? You may have walked into church this morning without ever having any intention of doing anything but just coming and sitting and singing a few songs and hearing a little bit this morning. Maybe you're just curious. Maybe you're curious at why everybody sitting here this morning is here at this hour of the day on New Year's Day, despite that extra second of sleeping. If that's the case, I want to tell you that most of the people sitting in this room are here this morning because they are convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who gave up his life as a ransom for the sinful mankind that he had created. And if you are here this morning and you are just curious about who Jesus Christ is, we would love to spend some time and talk to you about that. I'm going to ask all the elders and staff people to put your hand up in the air. If you're here this morning and you have questions about who Jesus Christ is, about what he has done for you, see one of those people that had their hand up this morning. Don't leave without getting your questions answered. If you're here and you already have Jesus Christ as your Savior, by the way, there's more people who can answer your questions besides those. I just thought that was easy. If you already have Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you that it says way back in Matthew 28, again, we have a mission in front of us. And it's a new year, and I think in a new year it's a good time to examine how we're doing on that mission that God has given us, to be great commissioned people and to have a great commissioned church. And I think it's key for us to understand that we have something that other people need. I think it's also key for us to understand that God has placed around us people in our everyday walk, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, and and in our families maybe, and in our different relationships that we need to be sharing Jesus Christ with, that we need to be trying to disciple, that we need to figure out where they are on that spectrum of, of curious to convinced to committed. I think we also need to always remember that no matter where you are in that, scheme of things. If you have had Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've asked him to be your Savior, you are qualified to disciple someone else. Because remember, in all these people's lives, it's when the Holy Spirit stepped in that they move forward. And what a cool thing it would be in this coming year to to gather again, you know, a year from now and say, you know what, I tried to do what God wanted me to do. I tried to share Jesus Christ with others. I tried to be a good disciple of his. And I saw the Holy Spirit step in. And this is what the Holy Spirit did. And I got to be along for the ride. And I got to be part of that instrument in that whole situation. That's what God's calling on you to do. He's not calling on you to have some fancy degree. He's not calling on you to have all the knowledge in the world. What he's calling on you to do is be available to be faithful like Simeon was, like Anna was, like the wise men were, to be curious and and to be about sharing with others. You're a qualified messenger if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not because you're so special on your own, but because God has put the Holy Spirit into your life, and he will speak through you. There's a lot of characters around the manger. Some of them I can't wait to meet when I get to heaven. One of my favorites is Joseph. You know, it came about that Joseph was the noblest of men. Okay. You should have come to behold the lamb if you didn't get that one. Okay. But there's also the shepherds. 
The shepherds are some of the coolest people in God's Word. Must be. Because the Bible refers to Jesus as the shepherd of his flock. Refers to David as the shepherd king. And those are two of the best people in the Bible. So let's close our time this morning by by looking at the shepherds real quick. Go back to Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, where it says this. Get the picture here. The shepherds were out abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly there was an angel of the Lord that came upon them, and the sky was filled with the heavenly host. And it gets to this in verse 15. After when the angels had went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has just happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Curious? I think so. Looking to be convinced? Definitely. And when they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They were convinced. They believed that this child is the one that the angel had told them about. And then verse 18, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. You get this? All that heard it? It doesn't say so. They just had a little party and they went back to their sheep. They started telling everybody. Anybody that they could talk to, they told about this miracle that they had seen, about the salvation that they had seen. That's pretty cool stuff. So where are you this morning? And are you wanting to be in a different place at this point next year than you are today? God's desire is for each of us to be seeking him like the wise men, even if that means going to great lengths, which is stepping out of your comfort zone and saying, I don't understand it. Somebody explain it to me. God wants us to be striving like Simeon, pure in heart and action, holding fast to the claims of God, trusting God would keep his promises and being led by the Holy Spirit. And God wants us not to be departing from his presence like Anna for as long as it takes, worshiping and fasting in prayer, night and day, giving thanks to God and speaking to Him, speaking of Him to all. And my biggest challenge for you today is winning in a start. If you're like a lot of us, it's been a weird number of days here because Work and other schedules kind of get confused around the holidays here and stuff. And um, I know this. If you don't start today in seeking to be the disciple that Jesus wants you to be, the odds diminish every hour that you will be that person at this time next year. Folks, life is fleeting. After the second service today, I'm going to go home and grab a quick bite of lunch, and I'm going to take my third daughter, and we're going to head off to look at college. I remember when she was born, and it seems like just a blink of an eye ago. And I'm struck by that at how fast time moves. And because time moves so fast, I'm also struck that if we don't seize the moment and start pursuing hard after being the disciple makers and the disciples that God wants us to be, 
we may never start. So where are you going to be tonight, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now? Are you going to be right where you are? Or are you going to be further down that road of being the disciple maker that you are called to be? And if a number of us in this room are further down the road, guess what? We're going to be discipling church that is on fire as well. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord God, I thank you so much for a time in your word this morning, Lord. I pray that my feeble words today would be a challenge to our hearts and to our minds as we examine our lives and see where we are, Lord, to see what we're curious about and what questions we need to have answered, to see where our commitment really lies, Lord. Are we committed to ourselves first or to you first? Are we committed to seeing your kingdom come or are we considered more concerned about what seems right for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be in your word, on our knees in prayer, committed to you like Anna with fasting and prayer so that we may see your glory and have something phenomenal to share with others. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.